With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know it? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is a, is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoulder supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the coral necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meager. I wonder if you know him. Well, this is my king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. 
Shalom to everyone, and happy Sabbath to those of you who are in your Sabbath already, and if you're preparing to get into your Sabbath, I hope that the Most High um, sees to you doing so, and that you're ready to feed upon the Word of Yah this evening. I want to welcome you all out to another edition of the Sword of the Spirit. I'm Brother Miles, and I am your host. We have been dealing, starting the book of Genesis on last week. And we're going to continue starting in Chapter 5 today. Um, The goal is to finish the Bible, the Old Testament, by the um, beginning of the new year. For that time frame, I have given myself to get back into uh, the Kingdom of Yah series. Uh, And that will be the way that we come forth from now on until uh, the end until Yah sees to take us, sees fit to take us out of it. Uh, because that is the mission that he has put us on, and that is the gospel, the kingdom of Yah. And so we will be doing things such as practical living in the kingdom, uh, living according to the word of Yah, and being blessed by Yah, and turning our eyes and our, our faith and our attention back toward him. Uh, it is a must that we as his people uh, and all those that he has called, as many as the Most High, our Elohim, should call. We do this, that we get it right, uh, because looking down through time and looking in the scriptures and looking at the present time, the world is in a sad shape, and the people of Yah even sadder in even sadder shape, walking without faith and without and in and, and in unbelief, uh, not discerning that they should have His Spirit, uh, in order to even think like Him. So it is, you know, that is the goal: is to get back into this so that our people uh, will understand and will do. Uh, it's also put it on my heart, you know, to join up with a, a brother named. Shema Aki, um, to do the ministry, to make sure that our people are coming into this thing and they understand uh, the kingdom is community. It's not just opening a church, but it is uh, establishing communities uh, where people agree to live by the word of Yah. They associate with people that live by the word of Yah. And their goal is to get other people to live by the word of Yah, uh, according to the scriptures. Um, It's very critical 
that that uh, we perceive that way. So to that end, uh, every week I'm going to devote some time to it, but um, even here in the local area, to start doing those things that promote kingdom and to spreading the gospel of the kingdom. So with that being said, without further ado, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray us in, and then we will go ahead and get into the book of Genesis starting in chapter 5. Heavenly Father, so if I can have, let me uh, have the sisters to uncover their heads, the brothers to, uh, the, the sisters to cover their heads, the brothers to uncover their heads. Let us turn toward the east, toward Jerusalem, holy hands raised to the most high. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. We thank you for life and health and strength today. We thank you for the opportunity to once again come together and to break bread and to observe your Shabbat, a day of rest that you have ordained that your people should keep perpetually throughout all time. Father, we ask that you would forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We ask that you lead us not into temptation, but that you deliver us from evil. We ask that you hold not the iniquities of our forefathers against us, for they are all gone by the way of the grave, and we are still yet here, seeking to keep your statutes, laws, and commandments in spirit and in truth. Father, you have said that your people Israel have done wickedly before you and that they have walked contrary to you and you have walked contrary to us. And you have said that if your people Israel would turn from their wicked ways and that if they would acknowledge that they have sinned and if they would repent of the sin and not complain about the punishment that you have put upon them but accept the punishment, that you will once again turn your eyes and your ears toward your people Israel. So, Father, we want to acknowledge that we have walked contrary to you and that we have done wickedly. And then our testimony will be that this is what happens to you when you disobey the Most High God. Father, we pray for Israel that is asleep, that you might wake them and give them an unction to come and keep your statutes, laws, and commandments. We pray for Israel that is awake, that you might give them a meek and a humble spirit, a spirit of love for you are love. Now, Father, as we go to work in the kingdom, we ask that you would smile upon this work and that you would send all the seed of Abraham. In Yeshua's precious name I pray, amen and amen and amen. All right. Um, we will be reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 51. The book of Psalms, chapter 51, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O Elohim, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and I sin, in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out my, all, my and all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O Yah, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and behold me, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O Elohim. Thou Elohim of my, of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Yah, open thy, thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of Elohim are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O Elohim, thou shalt not despise. Do good, in thy, do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shalt thou offer bullocks upon thine altar. It most I add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and most of all the doing of his word. In Yeshua, Jesus Christ, precious name I pray. Amen and amen. All right. I did want to mention something else uh, before we move on. I uh, sent out an email and try to send one out weekly uh, whenever I'm going to do precepts. Um, and in the email, I put a video uh, to a brother and a sister on the Internet, and they are talking about uh, the great awakening that is happening with the Hebrew Israelite people. Um uh, and then they go into what they foresee or perceive as being the problem with our people. And so I put a link into it. I hope that all the brothers and sisters look at it. Um, I'm going to include it and that to, to the Christians, a video to the Christians, uh, in every Shabbat uh, email that I sent out uh, because it's important that Israel understand uh, where it stands in its walk. There are some people and things that you have to walk away from, and there are some things, uh, people and things that you need to pull toward, you need to move toward. So in the video, they do a very good job of explaining uh, where the nation of Israel is at as far as spiritually, because we have waken up and we are uh, basically worshiping ourselves. Uh, we are Hebrew Israelite. Uh, we are Yah's chosen people. We want to be his people, but we don't want Yah. That's a problem, a very big problem. I encourage everyone to look at the video. Uh, it laid out very well, and I hope that it convicts some people. Uh, I hope that it convicts everyone that looks at it, uh, who claims to be in truth and claims to be awakened, uh, and understand that without the Ruach, there really are none of his. And this seems to be really, really lacking among our people. So I sent it out in love. I really hope that you look at it and uh, take the message from it that they're sending because it's really, it, it really is true. All right, that being said, let's go ahead and proceed um, to the book of Genesis chapter 5. And we want to, um, you know, the book of Genesis chapter 5, we have just come out of, the, out of the creation. Adam and Eve have been kicked out of the garden. And 
we're coming to where uh, Cain has already killed Abel, and Cain has been kicked out, you know, out of the family to wander into Nod, the land of Nod. And so we're going to pick it up here uh, in chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that Elohim created man. In the likeness of Elohim made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam uh, in the day when they were created. So Adam and Eve were just known as Adam or man. So when he said, Adam, where art thou? He wasn't just talking to the man. He wasn't just talking to the man, Adam, even though the man, Adam, spoke up. Because remember, Eve didn't have a name then. She hadn't been named yet. Adam didn't name her until they were being kicked out of the garden or had been kicked out of the garden. So there was when he says, Adam or man, where are you? He was talking to them both. Because they both hid themselves. But the man spoke up. Okay. So male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And and the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. So Adam was created in the likeness in the likeness in the image of the most high. But here we have the most high saying or Adam saying that he has a son that's created in what? His image. So there's some significance there. We want to take note um with this also at the end of this chapter I want to run through these names uh, because there's meaning in Hebrew names in the root of them. And so a lot of times as you are doing your study, you really need to go back and look up the root of the names and what they mean because it can give you deeper insight as to what the scripture is trying to teach. In the days of Adam after he begat Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. Before we move on, I also want to bring up here something that's noteworthy. And Adam lived 130 years, the son of his own likeness. 130 years. The Bible gives us time periods for a reason that we might know. Math is important, and numbers are important in Scripture. And the Most High wants us to prove the Scriptures out. So we can see here clearly that Adam and Eve weren't in the garden at 130 years, they had already been kicked out when he, when she begat uh, Seth, and when uh, Seth is uh, when Adam begat Seth, he's 130 years old. So they are already kicked out of the garden. We don't know how long they were out of the garden, but just imagine that. Before 130 years have gone by, after the creation of man, he has already been kicked out of the garden. That's kind of amazing. At least I think so. Didn't take us long to fall. 
In the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So remember the Most High told Adam, in the day that you eat the fruit thereof, in that day you shall die. Well, here we got 930 years and passed by, and then he dies. So we know that this day that the Most High is talking about was not a figurative or a literal human day. It was more so a day on his time, a thousand years, because the scripture will tell us that one day to Elohim is as a thousand years to us. So Adam died within that day. He died at 930 years. So he died within the day that the Most High said that he would die on Elohim's time, but not during our time. So we have to understand that uh, time periods in the scriptures are relative first to the Most High and then to us. And so we must always go back and see what context the scripture is speaking of in time because we can read a paragraph and 40 years will go by in that one paragraph. So people will think that, oh, this was the next day or this was the next month uh, or the next year and not realize if they don't keep up with, with the time periods and they don't keep up with tracking the stuff that, oh, 40 years just went by in this one paragraph. So we went from chapter 4 to chapter 5, and now we're up to year 130. We're not really told, except for in the first days, that the creation, the days of creation, we're given that the first day, the second day, the third day. We're not told how long those days were or anything, but we can see here that Adam, there was a time assigned to Adam, and that he was 130 years old uh, when he had uh, begat Seth, but he's already out the garden. Okay, so those are things that you really should take account to when you're doing your studies. Uh, the names and then the time periods, because there are hidden or deeper messages within the within the uh, scriptures, in the names and in the time periods, because the Most High says, prove him. He says, prove me. Well, how do you prove him? He gives it to you in his word, and then he wants you to walk by faith. Walk by faith and ask what you will. Ask me for something that you know you can't do. And watch me do it so that you might believe that I exist. Have you ever done that in your own life? The most high for something that you know you could not do for yourself. And ask him to do it and watch him make it come true so that you know that he exists. Or have you done it and forgot? I, forgot, I even forgot to ask the Most High for that. Because he wants us to believe. He can't stand unbelief. So he wants us to believe. Believe, believe, believe. And when we're reading this, we need, to, you know, we need to be reading for the understanding of what the Most High does not like and what he does like. Because when we get into the New Testament, there are tests in the New Testament based upon the old. He doesn't change. So you have to you have to actually know the old so you can see the test in the new. Anyway, let's keep going. And Seth lived a hundred and five years and begat Enos. 
And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years. And he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. Now, we're not told who these men married. I can best believe that they produced a lot of children, and you're only being told about the first one, the first son, to be, a, to be, a, um, to be uh, factual. The first son. Because we're not told they could have had a daughter first, but the daughters are not really mentioned. Because the seed of the man that, that carries on his name, his name is carried in the son. So where uh, these people got that this matriarchal system of the lineage goes through the woman, mama's baby, papa's maybe, um, you could say that if you were uh, in doubt as to whether the child was yours. But the most high always, and he knows whose child it is, he always counts paternity through the father, and he counts lineage through the father. Okay. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahaliel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahaliel. 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. And Mahaliel, Mahaliel lived 60 and five years and begat Jared. And Mahaliel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahaliel were 890 and five years, and he died. And Jared lived 160 and two years, and he begat Enoch. Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with, with Elohim after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Elohim, and he was not, for Elohim took him. Now, there's all kind of speculation and what have you of where the Most High took Enoch and why he took him. But we have to know that Enoch, there had to be something really special about him with his walk for the most high to take him. Can you imagine that? No, you don't belong in this world. You are, you, let's, let's, let's do an exercise real quick. Imagine that more people walk like Enoch. And they just disappeared. What, what 
could we even fathom? That's hard to, to even fathom. You would live in the world where the most I would say, no, you're, you don't belong in this world. You belong in my world and take you. But the scripture says, Messiah said, hey, no man has gone into heaven. So where did he take Enoch and where did he put him? Where did he translate him? You know, these are all questions that I'm sure a lot of people have. And Enoch walked with Elohim, and he was not, for Elohim took him. And Methuselah lived 180 and seven years and begat Lamach. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamach, 780 and two years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and nine years, and he died. Now, when you go and do your name study, which we're going to go over these names uh, after the reading tonight, um, I'm going to go and read the meanings of these names. Uh, but Methuselah was a star. I call him a star uh, because he foretold something. And Lamech lived 180 and two years and begat and begat a son. And he didn't, didn't say he begat a daughter, he begat a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, this same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which Yah has cursed. So he's saying that there's something, there's something special about this child Noah, and he's going to comfort us. Now, this has to be, a, this has to be prophetic because Lamech is going to die, and all the previous fathers before them have what? Died. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and five years and begat sons and daughters. So in all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years, 777, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, Shem, Ham, and Japheth are going to be, they're the progenitors of all the races, the families of people on the earth, uh, because everybody else is about to be killed. And it came to pass, when men began, began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them that the sons of Yah saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and that they took them wives of all which they chose. People make these sons of Yah angels, okay? Angels don't have sex organs. People say, oh, well, they artificially inseminated them. They um, use in fetal birth. Um, when you see something that is desirable, um, that means that desire has to do with your with sex appeal, has to do with uh, when it comes to men and women, uh, to desire them that way. That they saw them that they were desirable means that they wanted to sleep with them. These are the righteous seed of Elohim, the sons of Yah. They saw the daughters of the world, not of their bloodline. You say, well, how could they, you know, if... Everything started with Adam. How could there be any other bloodline on the earth other than Adam's? Okay. And we're going to leave that alone for right now. But the bottom line is 
there is there is seed on the earth from all these births taking place. And the further that you get away from the original line, they started acting not like they weren't calling on Yah. They weren't walking God. And they started doing everything that was imaginable that's in their mind. And so we're going to read this. And the sons of Yah saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and that they took them wives of all which they chose. And Yah said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So the most I have cut down from this time, from living, really man was supposed to live for eternity. It was not until sin was introduced into the world that mankind, there was a limit put on his life. He says, hey, the day you eat this up is the day you die. Well, if he had never eaten, it implies he would never have died, okay, uh, because we're not giving any other time frame for mankind. Most I didn't invent the man and say, oh, you're going to live 10,000 years and that's your time. We're never told anything like that. But we are told, hey, in the day that you eat this, you're going to die. Then we have here that the Most High is now giving man a number to his days, 120 years. We know that couldn't have been in the beginning because we have men living way, way longer than that before this time. Man was actually created to live upon the earth forever. And it's because of sin that, because of sin, uh, a time period is introduced uh, or put on man uh, that his days shall be numbered. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of Yah came, and came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Okay, let's reread this, this, this paragraph or this verse uh, because, again, people make some insinuations. There were giants in the earth in those days. Okay. It doesn't mean that these giants were produced by what? Angels. And also after that, when the sons of Yah came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. It's not saying that they bare children to the giants. It said they bare children to the sons of Yah. And the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So these were great men. They became um, the kings. And uh, the princes and the dukes and whatever other titles you want to give to them, okay? And Yah saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was always only evil continually. Let's reread that because we have to understand the condition that man has it's only been um, – Really, if you put the times together, we are at about 1,600 years after creation, somewhere in that time frame, 1,200 to 1,600 years after the creation, okay? And so um, when we read this, we see that it has not taken man a long time to become what? Evil. His, 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 his thought process evil. So verse 5 again. And Yah saw 
the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Everything he thought about was doing was, you know, how can I do evil? Not how can I do good? Not how can I serve my brother? Not how can can I, I go about making things better, but how can I go about doing evil? Let me take this man's wife. Let me sleep with this man's son. Uh, let me steal this man's daughter. Uh, let me kill this man. Uh, let me let me do continually. That was their thought process. He says their heart, the thoughts of their his heart was only evil, not good, only evil, continually, and it repented. Yah, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. I'm so sorry that I made this creature. The crowning jewel of my creation. And I'm sorry that I made him. I'm sorry that I put him on the earth. You know what? I think I'll get rid of him. And Yah said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. And when he's saying man, both man, man and woman, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Because of man, the Most High is, is, is sorry that he made everything that creeps upon the earth, that breathes air. I'm so sorry that I've made all these things because the men were probably going around corrupting the animals. You know, bestiality just didn't start in this century. If man's thoughts were continually evil, then they were probably doing things with the animals, corrupting the animals. Uh, We know that in the garden, Eve spoke to the snake, uh, the serpent, but we, we're not told whether any other animals spoke, but it's possible. We read in the New Testament where a donkey spoke to um, the prophet. Hey, you don't see that angel about to kill you? Uh, why are you beating me? So we know that the animals can be made to communicate. We don't know if the other animals in the garden were able to talk and able to understand. You know, if you have a dog or a pet, you notice that there's an intelligence about them that is not just uh, that this is a dog or uh, uh, a bird. They have a certain intelligence about them that, hey, because we don't communicate with them, we don't really understand what they're what they're thinking and what they're saying. But once you get to know them and their personalities, you can see that hey, there's another type of thought behind them. Uh, so it's it's um, sometimes it's uncanny. But nevertheless, these people are doing things that they ought not to do to the point that the Most High regrets making the fowls of the air, the beasts that that are roaming the fields, mankind, uh, the creeping things. He says, I'm sorry that I made everything that breathes air. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yah. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man 
and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with Elohim. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupted for Elohim. And the earth was filled with violence. So evil thoughts continually. How can I hurt you? What can I take from you? Uh, let me just go grab this woman and throw her down and take her. Their, their, their thoughts are continually evil and filled with violence. And Elohim looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. In the beginning, when he created everything, everything was what? Good. And this creature, man, that he has put on this planet has gotten the ground cursed. Now the animals are cursed. And the Most High wants to destroy everything because of this one creature, man. He says, and for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. How does all flesh, all flesh has corrupted his way? Not just man, but the animals as well. And Elohim said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Pitch is like tar. It's like a sludge that you that is waterproof. So he's saying, hey, make you a boat, and then fill in the cracks with this stuff that's going to make the boat waterproof. And this is the fashion which which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. This is a huge boat uh, because, let's see, I believe a cubit was somewhere around just a little bit over 10 feet, something in that range. So... 300 cubits times 10, uh, that's about 3,000 feet. That's a huge boat. And the height of it, 30 cubits. And the window shalt thou make in the ark, in a, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set uh, in the side thereof. With lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. Now, these are add-ins uh, that are not part of the original text, but uh, they have written it into the King James Version. So the with lower, second, and third stories. Stories is not there. So we, you know, it's okay to put that there uh, because it's explaining the decks. Shalt thou make it, and behold, I, even I, do bring floods flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die but with thee I will establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons wives with thee excuse me and of every living thing of of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive. With thee they shall be male and female, 
and of fowls after the, with their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth shall his kind. After his kind, two of every sort shall thou uh, shall come unto thee them alive. So the Most High knew what animals had corrupted themselves and which ones had not. And the ones that had not, I have to believe that he said, hey, two of y'all, y'all go and get on the ark in pairs so that y'all can reproduce. Now, remember that everything on the earth uh, that's living and eating and breathing is only eating the herbs of the field and the fruit from the trees. This is what the Most High gave them to eat. This was their meat, the herbs, the grass of the ground, the wheat, you know, and that kind of stuff, uh, and the fruit from the trees of the fowls after their kind. So let me go back up here. Every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it uh, to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. So he wasn't taking chickens on board to be having, you know, to be baking chicken or frying chicken or anything like that. The chicken, two chickens that came, they were to be eating the same thing he was eating, the herbs of the field, uh, whatever they, they brought on. Thus did Noah, according to all that Elohim commanded him, so did he. Genesis chapter 7. And Yah said unto Noah, Come. Thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee I have seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast, thou shalt take two to thee by seven, the males and his female, and the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Now, we know that from this that there's a distinction even at this point between uh, clean and unclean animals. Of the fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep and to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living thing, substance that I have made, will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that Elohim commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his, and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. And of clean beasts and of, and of beasts that are not even, uh, and of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls, and everything that creepeth upon the earth. Then when they went, there went in two and two unto Noah, into the ark, male and female, as Elohim had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second year, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. So the water came from below and above. And the windows of heaven 
were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So, you know, we have, we have water that's underground. And we get most of our drinking water from where? Underground. Well, that water came up. And the water from the heavens, the clouds, came down. So there was no place, you know, the most I knew exactly that, hey, I'm killing everything that, that creeps upon the earth, everything that walks upon the earth, everything that breathes. And I'm going to make it rain long enough to where you can't get high enough on any mountain to get away from this. So I'm going to cover the mountains too. And the rain was 40 days and 40 nights. And the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with him into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing after that, their, that kind, even upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind and every bird of every sort. And they went into unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female all flesh as Elohim as Elohim had commanded him, and Elohim shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went up on the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. And 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. So think about this, 15 cubits is enough to cover mountains. And we have mountains that are 9,000, 8,000, 10,000 feet high. So we need, to, we, need, we need to probably reassess how much a cubit is. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all, who's, all in whose nostril was the breath of life, of all that was in dry land, died. So the Most High has made it to where the birds don't have anywhere to land. And if they do, if there are uh, seafaring birds, what happens? They still need to land somewhere as well. Even if they come down into the water, maybe you had uh, big fish eating the birds or the waves crashing over them until they were so tired they couldn't fly anymore. You know, I don't know a bird that can actually fly 40 days and 40 nights. And there's been some that have been known to, you know, be able to soar for a long time, but not 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, with it storming so bad, they could even find food. They probably fell out of the air exhausted, fell into the waters and just drowned or were eaten by sharks or whatever was else in the water. But the bottom line is it has rained so much that anything that breathes air can't survive. And every living and every living substance 
was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowls of, he- of heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. So it starts raining. It rains for 40 days, and then the waters are still upon the earth, what, 150 days later. And Elohim remembered Noah and, and every living thing and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And Elohim made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. So the waters, the wind pushed the waters back. And the most I probably caused uh, the fountains of the deep to for those waters to start going back down, and so now the the earth is being called back out of the back out of the water. Now remember, in the beginning, when when Elohim, uh, when the Spirit of the Most High in Chapter One uh, hovered over the waters, there was no earth at that time viewable. So he took it back to the beginning. But the only thing is. What he called out of the earth, he preserved some of what he called out of the earth because before he just called the earth forward. He called the earth forth, called the dry land forth and called it earth. And then all the living creatures came, that breathed air, came out of that earth. He covers up all that earth again and says, okay, but I'm going to leave some of the earth in this vessel, not the ground itself, but the creatures that I made from the earth. I'm going to leave them in this vessel. And got enough food to survive for the time period that they're going to be in there. And he could have put them to sleep, whatever. We don't know. But the bottom line is they were in there. He said that, hey, whatever food you take in there for you and them, so they probably weren't asleep. <coughs> Let's continue. And the fountains also of the deep and the winds of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned. The waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. So it took 40 days to flood it. It took another 150 days for the water to go down. And the earth rested, and the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the Mount Ararat. So if we go back, let's go back to chapter 7 for a minute. I want to, there is a a timing here that um, we need to pay attention to. And Yah said unto Noah, come thou and thy house into the ark, and thee and I have a righteous, and for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Let's go down. Okay, verse 7, 11. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month. The Most High loves the 17th day of the month and the 14th day. Uh, so here we have the 17th day of the month in the second month, the 17th day of the month, where all the fountains of the great deep broken up. Now let's go back to chapter 8, because we're in the second month here, the 17th day. 
And Elohim remembered Noah. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 13th day of the month. So this is a full uh, five months have gone by from the second month, 17th day of the month, to the uh, seventh month, 17th day of the month, upon the, the ark rest upon Mount Arak. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. So they, the, the ark comes to rest on Mount Arak in the seventh month. It's still not low enough yet uh, to let out the animals and for no of them to go out. So we got another three months go, that goes by. And the waters decrease continually until the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the, of the, were the, tops of the mountain seen. So Mount Arat, where the ark uh, ceased, where it came to rest at, had to be pretty high up at that time. So it says three more months of the water draining, then the first day of the month were the tops of the mountain seen. And it came to pass at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. So let's get this time frame. Ark rested the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Arad. So Arad is a place, and there's some mountains there. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. So three more months, and the waters started going down. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountain seen. So I'm thinking that this is when the ark actually came to rest. And this is, uh, no, can't be. And the ark rested in the seventh month. So three months go by, and the ark is on top of Mount Arad, or a mountain uh, in, in, in Arad, because it says uh, the mountains of Arad. So not just Mount Arat, but the mountains of Arat. But remember, this ark was huge. Uh, when we go back and get it, 15 cubits is higher than the mountains, and it says that the ark was like 3,000 cubits, we need to go back and revisit that, okay? And the water ceased continually until the 10th month, in the 10th month, and the first day of the 10th month were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which, was, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. He also sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Okay, so he sent out a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. That means at the top of uh, the mountains, uh, the raven uh, probably can feed off of dead things. A dove doesn't feed off of dead things. A dove only feeds off of what seeds. So the raven could would not come back because it could find what? Carnage. It could find dead bodies. It could find something to eat. But when he sends out this dove, but the dove found no rest for the soles of her foot. 
In other words, she didn't find a tree, anything that she could light in. And she returned unto him, unto the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him uh, in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he, and he stayed yet a, another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month and the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. So it came to pass in the 601st year. So um, Noah was 600. So this 601st year has to be talking about the six has to be talking about the 601st year of Noah's life, in the first month, and the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering off the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, and on the seventh and twenty, the seventh and twentieth day, the twenty seventh day. Of the month was the earth dry, and Elohim spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, or go out of the ark, and thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breathe abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. So the Most High is going to make this where, you know, these animals are going to be prolific, like rabbits breeding. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. And every beast, and every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creeped upon the earth, after their kind, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto Yah, and took and took of every clean beast, clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So remember he took seven of each of the clean? Well, that's an odd number, right? So he took what he needed for a sacrifice. Now, whether he made more than one sacrifice of each animal, we're not told. But if he took them to, to be paired, then the odd one would have been the sacrifice. And Elohim smelled a sweet savor, and Elohim said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, and neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Now, I want to talk about these verses right here for a minute because of some some things that you never really hear people talk about uh, that the most time, you know, has allowed me to see here and I think it's, it's worth uh, discussing. And Noah built an altar and unto Yah Elohim and took every clean beast and every clean uh, and and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. 
Now remember, man was not eating meat yet. The animals were never given to man to eat. So how would Noah know, number one, how to build an altar? Number two, what animals to sacrifice on it if this wasn't already going on? And I'm getting at this because a lot of times people think that the Most High never wanted animal sacrifice, the blood of bulls and goats, okay? But when we read this, we know that that uh, Noah, we're reading here that he what, built an altar, so he had to know how to do that. The Most High had to tell him, or he already knew, and that he's sacrificing clean animals to the most high because you can sacrifice the unclean to the most high. Okay? And the scripture says, and Elohim, or Yah, smelled a sweet savor, and Yah said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And neither will I, uh, neither will I again smite any more every living thing, everything living as I have done, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease, while the earth remains. These things are going to go on. The boat comes to a rest. The ark, the Most High, lets the water drain off, and then it brings everybody out of the ark. And the first thing that Noah does is prepare an altar and a sacrifice to Most High. This sacrifice, the Most High said this is a sweet savor or a sweet smell to him. This wasn't a sin sacrifice. This sacrifice smelled good to him. This was a peace offering. This was something that he enjoyed. It's the sin sacrifices that he doesn't like. He never intended the blood of bulls and goats for sin sacrifice. But he gave it because other than that, he would have to be killing us. So let's move on. So I wanted to make note here uh, in your study that the most high, that Noah is coming off the ark and he's building an altar. He understands the difference between clean animals and unclean animals. And the clean animals, he may make sacrifice to the Most High, and the Most High said that this is a sweet smell in his nostril. This sacrifice is it's a sacrifice being made by what? A righteous man. Because the scripture said that Noah was righteous in his generation. And this is what the Most High wants. He wants a sacrifice by a righteous what? Person. He don't want you to be sinful and come and bring him an offering. He don't want you to be sinful and come and, and, and try to make atonement and, and give him a sacrifice that you think is going to be pleasing to him when, you, when your walk is raggedy. So this sacrifice, because we're going to see these sacrifices again when we get into the book of Ezekiel and the third, uh, the third temple, that there's going to be sacrifices there. And we even told that before Antichrist, before Christ returns, Antichrist, they're going to be, we're going to be sacrificing again, and Antichrist is going to stop the daily sacrifices. And these daily sacrifices, 
today can't be for sin because Messiah was the sacrifice that paid for all sin. But there were more sacrifices than just for sin. That's what I'm getting at. And the Most High sees these sacrifices and smells them and says, these sacrifices are a sweet savor, a sweet smell in my nostrils. I like them. Genesis chapter 9. Elohim blessed Noah and his sons and unto them, and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. And again, what he told Adam and Eve, replenish the earth. This implies that there was a time. We know that before this time, there were men on the earth. So this word replenish here, refill the earth with men. When he told Adam and Eve that, we're under the assumption that there were no other men. So why did he say replenish there? The same word. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. Now, this is something new. The animals had no fear of man before. Man wasn't eating them. He wasn't hunting them. They weren't hunting each other. The fear and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon them all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fish of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So I gave you dominion over them from the beginning. You weren't killing them before, maybe for sacrifices. Because he clearly knows how to make an altar and a sacrifice. So maybe some of the unclean, maybe maybe some of the clean animals were being sacrificed before this time. But there was no fear there. Now he's saying they're going to be afraid of you. The fear of you. And the dread of you. Dread. Just look up that word dread. Because dread is like, I don't want to be around you. Um, Dread. To dread, fearful, to tremble. But he says the fear of you and the dread of you. So it's not meaning fearful or tremble. The primary sense is probably to tremble or to shrink. Fear or apprehensive of evil or or apprehension of evil or danger. So they're going to fear you and feel danger from you. You might take my life. So I'm going to shun you. When you dread something, you don't want to be around it. You don't really want to have anything to do. I, you know, I just dread uh, going to work. Something that you hate, you know, you, you just don't look forward to it. And so these animals are not looking forward to being around man any longer. And it, is, it, it expresses more than fear and less than terror or fright. It is an uneasy or an alarm excited with Expected pain, loss, or other evil. We speak of dread of evils, the dread of suffering, the dread of divine displeasure. It differs from terror, also in being less sudden or more continued. In awe of fear, united with respect, terror. You shall not, uh, you shall not this day dread fall. You shall not 
his his dread fall upon you, Job 13. No, shall not dread fall upon you. The cause of fear, the person or the thing dreaded. That means that um, these animals, from this point on, they're not going to want to be around you. They're going to fear you, and they're going to have a distaste for you, meaning that um, almost like a disgust. Think about that. The animals now looking at you with disgust. Look what you did to us. Look what you caused to happen. Stay away from man. He's no good. Uh, we got a dread about them. So the ones that we have taken, and we have, uh, and we have uh, domesticated them. They still probably have the same dread about them, uh, but don't have the fear factor as it has in it. Uh, anything that we capture that especially is wild and didn't grow up with man, take it as always trying to get away. You know, uh, it's very rare that you can have uh, birds that even if you had them as babies, uh, if they can get free, they're gone. So uh, unless you train them, you know, that, hey, from the very first day, um, that they're free, but, but they are, you train them to stay with you. So, you know, you let them out, they come back in like your dog. So this dread, the, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Now, most I said all flesh had corrupted itself with not be behaving like it should. So it wasn't just man, but he had already given man dominion over all these things. And so now he's saying, not only are you, do you have dominion, but um, before you probably could have walked up to uh, a sheep or a ram and grabbed him by the horn and just walked him to where you're going to walk him to and then slaughtered him for the what sacrifice. Now he's going to run from you. Uh, the wild animals are going to run from you. Now let's see what else he says. And every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you. Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. These are absolutes. So now we got a time where there are clean and unclean animals. But the most High has just said every living, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. So even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. So he said, hey, you got to make the meat kosher. How you do that? You're going you're gonna, to uh, capture this animal or kill him, and you're going to drain his blood. That's making it kosher. And then when you cut him up, you're going to make sure that you don't hit any organs that would uh, foul the meat, such as the bile or the, the stomach or anything like that. Because those those particular fluids will foul the meat. Gonna have to make it kosher, but you definitely cannot eat with what the blood in it. 
And surely your blood, surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man. So now the animals are going to also be trying to kill you. If they have the ability to kill you, they're going to be trying to kill you. And surely your blood, the, and surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man. And at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of a man. Whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of Elohim may he man. So if an animal kills a man, the animal has to be what killed. If another man kills a man, his blood, he has to be killed. So the death penalty is given by who? The Most High. And people argue against the death penalty. But right here he says, and whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of Elohim, man, in the image of Elohim, may he man. And you, be you fruitful and multiply, and bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. And Elohim spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, and I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl and of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that can go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood, and neither shall and neither shall there be any more be flood to destroy the earth. And Elohim said, This is the token of the covenant. Man caused man and all flesh. Remember he said that all flesh had corrupted itself. The animals were doing things they ought not do. You know, that's kinda of, kinda of weird to think about. Man was doing things he ought not do. And so now the Most High is saying, hey, here is my covenant with man and the beasts of the field, the ones that, that I cut off all flesh. Here's my covenant. This is the token of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be for a token for a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. So this, the rainbow reminds the Most High that, hey, don't let it rain so much that you flood out the earth. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it and I may, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between Elohim and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And Elohim said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So this covenant is not just with mankind, but it's with who? All flesh. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. 
These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread or repopulated. And Noah began to be a husband, a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken and was uncovered within his tent. So think about this. They come off the ark. The Most High makes a covenant with all flesh. Everything goes free. And Noah has time to start growing what? Plants. So he grows some grapes. And then from those grapes, he makes some wine. And it takes some time for wine to ferment. So we know some time has gone by. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. So we know that this wine is fermented because it got him drunk. And he was uncovered within his tent. So he's drunk and he's naked in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and a garment and laid it upon both the shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were, and their faces were backwards and they saw not their father's nakedness. So, you know, we have people today that don't even consider these things. They will walk around nude in front of their kids. And the most I says, no, that's not acceptable. Well, you know, they're my kids. Uh, no, that's not acceptable. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. Now, this right here, this one is a hard one for me because I, if you've ever been drunk and you are not passed out, you don't really know what has happened while you were drunk. And so when you wake up, the only way you're going to know that something has been done to you, something has changed. Well, when he, you know, he might have known that he was naked before he passed out. Um, it does not say where his wife was at. There's something that now that part here uh, is strange that it does not mention where Noah's wife was at, the mother. It says he woke up and knew what his son had done. He saw him naked. How would Noah know that? Um, maybe his other two sons told him. Hey, we we covered you up. Shem saw you naked. He was in here looking at you. Uh, that's possible, but it doesn't say that the sons told. It doesn't say how he knew. And so you can infer that, hey, uh, Ham did something to him that wasn't kosher. Remember, they're coming, Ham and, and Noah's children are pre-flood as well. So we don't really know what they were doing. Their thought is that Noah was found righteous. But he brings along his sons and their, their, their wives. Never says that they were righteous. Never even says that Noah's wife was righteous. That Noah was. So because of him, they get they survive. And the Most High uses them to repopulate the earth. But here we have his son doing something, and Noah wakes up and says, I know what you did. 
I know who I know, I know who you were before the flood. Now I'm injecting that, so I'm gonna stop that. That's conjecture, but uh, doesn't really say. The only thing we're told is that his son saw him naked. So we're gonna leave it at that. Now, how Noah knew that, uh, the scripture doesn't specifically speak on it. But if that's all it was, then uh, you would have to say that the two sons told him because how you know they would have to say, "Yeah, we covered you up," and they would have to say that uh, they would have to tell that Ham saw him naked. Uh, that's not, you know, and that, but that's not what the scripture says there. But we'll leave it where it's at. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew that his younger what and knew what his younger son had done unto him. So it's kind of some craziness there. And he said, "Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren." Now we know Canaan is one of Sam's, one of Noah's, um, one of Ham's sons. And he said, Blessed be Yah, Elohim of Shem, and the Canaan and Canaan shall be his servant. So he's saying, Canaan's going to be whose servant? Shem's, the descendants of Shem's servant. Elohim shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So Elohim shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Shem is, and he already said that, uh, blessed be the Elohim of Shem, uh, of Shem. Blessed be Elohim of Shem. Uh, and Canaan shall be his servant, and blessed, and, and Elohim shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, in the house of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So Canaan is going to be the servant of who? Japheth and Shem. And Noah lived after the flood, 390, 350 years. And all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Genesis chapter 10. Now these are the generations of the son of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were the sons born after the flood. And the sons of Japheth, Gomer, and Magog, and, Ma- and Mahdi, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshach, and uh, Meshach, and Tyrus, and the sons of Gomer, Archanaz, and uh, Rephet, and Togomar. And give me one second here. And the sons of Javan, and Elisha, and Tarshish, and Kittim, and Dodanim. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their land, every one after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mizram, and Put, and Canaan. And the sons of Cush, Seba, and and Havileah. And Sabata and Ramah and Sabtech, Sabtech, Tech, Techa, and the sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan. And Cush begat Nimrod, and he became to be a mighty one in the earth. Now we know Nimrod was not a giant, so this means that he became a powerful man uh, with influence. 
And he was a mighty hunter before Elohim, or before Yah. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before Yah. Now they're hunting what? Animals. And he's a mighty hunter. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Achai, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Asher, and built Nineveh, and the city of Rabat, and Kalah. And risen between Nineveh and Kalah, the same is a great city. And Mizram begat Lud and Anam and and Lehabim and Nephtahim, Tresim and Kalashim, out of whom came Philistim and Capturim and Capturim, and Canaan begat Sidon. And his firstborn and Heth. And Canaan begat said in his firstborn and Heth. And the Jebusite and the Amorite and the Gergesite. And the Hevatite and the Archite and the Sinite. And the Archivite. And the Arvabite. Arvadite. I'm sorry. Arvadite. And the Simorite. And, the Ham- and afterwards were the families of the Canaanites spread abroad. And the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon, as thou comest to Gerar, unto Gaza, as thou goest unto Sodom, and Gomorrah, and Adama, and Zebaborn, even unto Lashah. These are the sons of Ham, after their families, and after their tongues, and their countries, and in their nations. And unto Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder, even to him were children born. And the children of Shem, Elam, and Asher, and uh, Arphaxus, and Lud, and Aram. And the children of Aram, Uz, and Hul, and Gether, and Mach, and Arphaxus uh, and begat Salah, and Salah begat Eber. And unto Eber was born two sons. The name of one was Caleb, and for for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Jotan. And Jotan begat Amadad, and Shaphet, Shaleph, and Hazarmavet, and Jorah, and Hadaram, and Ezel, and Diklia, or Dikla, or Dikla, Dikla, and Oval, and Abimel, and Sheba, and Ophir, and Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Jephthah. And their dwellings were from Mesh, as, though, as thou goest unto Sephar, a mount off of the east. These are the sons of Shem after their families, and after their tongues, and in their lands, and after their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations, in the nations. In the nations, by, the, by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. There is a table of nations uh, that tells us from these descendants of Ham, Noah, well, of Ham, Shem, and Japheth, who these people became. And it's important because uh, 
scripture often talks about different peoples, uh, like the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Jebusites. It talks about them. It tells you who their forefather was, whether they're of Shem of, or of uh, Japheth or of Ham. And then you have to see prophecies that Noah said concerning Canaan. So these are the things that we are supposed to be looking at. Lineage is important in understanding Bible prophecy. Okay, so with that being said, we're going to stop here for this week. I'm going to read uh, the names uh, of the sons of the f- chapter 5, and let's see if they have any distinctive meaning to them. So let's look at Genesis chapter 5, and let's look at the names that are within there. Adam, his name means the first name, Adam, uh, comes from Adama and means man, as the first man. Seems pretty straightforward. Seth, Adam's son was named Seth, which means appointed. When he was born, Eve said, for Elohim has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So Seth's names mean substitute or appointed. Enosh, not Enoch, but Enosh. Seth's son was called Enos, which means mortal, frail, miserable. It's from the root Anash, to be incurable, used uh, of a wound, grief, woe, sickness, and wickedness. It was in the days of Enosh that men began to defile the name of the living Elohim. Kanak. Enoch's son was named Kanah, from which we can mean which can mean sorrow or dirge or uh, elege. The precise uh, denotation is somewhat elusive. Some study aids, unfortunately, presume that the the Aramaic root uh, synonymous with Kenan, Balaam, looking down from the heights of Moab, employed a pun upon the name of Kenites when he prophesied their destruction. Mahel Lael. Kenah's son was Mahelael from Mahelah, which means blessed or praised, and El, the name of Elohim or of God. Thus, Mahelael means blessed God or blessed Elohim. Often Hebrew names include El, the name of, uh, of uh, God, such as Dan- Daniel or Daniel, as we pronounce it, but it's Daniel. God is my judge, Nathaniel, gift of God, and so forth. Jared, Mahaliel's son, was named Jared from the verb uh, yaret, meaning uh, shall come down. Some authorities suggest that this might be have been an allusion to the sons of Elohim who came down to corrupt the daughters of men resulting in Nephilim, or the fallen ones, in Genesis 6. Um, But the sons of Yah have always dealt with the righteous seed of Yah. 
Enoch. Jared's son was named Enoch, which means teaching or a commencement. He was the first of four generations of preachers. In fact, the earliest recorded prophecy was by Enoch, which amazingly enough deals with the second coming of Messiah. Methuselah. The flood of Noah did not come as a surprise. It has been preached on for four it had been preached on for four generations. But something strange happened when Enoch was sixty five, which he which time he walked with Elohim. Enoch was given a prophecy that as long as his son was alive, the judgment of the flood would be withheld. But as soon as he died, the flood would be sent forth. Enoch named his son to reflect this prophecy. The name Methuselah comes from two roots. Must, a root that means death, and from Shalak, which means to bring or to send forth. Thus the name Methuselah signifies his death shall bring, shall bring the judgment. And indeed, in the year that Methuselah died, the flood came. Methuselah was 187 when he had Lamech, uh, Lamech and lived 782 years more. Lamech had Noah when he was 182. The flood came in Noah's 600 year. 187 plus 182 plus 600 is 969. Methuselah aged when he died. So the scripture says, you know, his name, that's why I said he was a star. He was a um, stars uh, are used in prophecy to tell certain events. And stars can not only mean stars up in the heaven, but they can mean those that are on the earth. And I said that he was one of those stars. Lamech, Methuselah's son, was named Lamech, a root still uh, evident today in our own English word, lament or lamentation. Lamech suggests despairing. His name is also linked to the Lamech in Cain's line, who inadvertently killed his son, Tubal Cain, in a hunting accident. Noah. Lamech, of course, is the father of Noah, which is derived from Nachem, to bring relief or comfort, as Lamech himself explains. The composite, now let's put them all together in Hebrew. Adam, man, Seth, appointed, Enosh, mortal, Kenah, sorrow, Mahaliel, the blessed God, Jared, shall come down, Enoch, teaching, Methuselah, his death shall bring, Lamat, the despairing, Noah, rest and comfort. So we read those words, the meaning of their names, uh, just in English, man appointed, mortal, mortality or mortal, sorrow. The blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall teaching his death shall bring the despair, the despairing rest and comfort. So if you look at that, the names of the first patriarchs and all the of Adam's seed, uh, their firstborn, the firstborn of every generation, their name actually gives us the most high's plan of salvation. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed Elohim shall come down, teaching. What did Messiah come doing? Teaching. His death shall bring, Messiah's death shall bring the despairing mankind, what? Rest and comfort. So, as I said before, the, the meaning of the names in the scriptures 
it's important a lot of times that you look up the names when they're given to you in Scripture because uh, the names have meaning. And those meanings uh, within the Scriptures um, actually add to the depth of the story and the lesson and the hidden treasures that the Scriptures have in them. So if you are of the word, you cannot only just read the word, but you must look up the definitions of the words, and you must look up the names to get the definition of the names, because Hebrew names are not like English names, you know, especially for Hebrews that were born in captivity. We just start making up names, names that don't, you know, don't even have any meaning at all. Just let me, let me just make up. Uh, let me just make up two sounds, and this is what I'm going to call my child, and not even think about whether the name had any meaning or not. I'm just going to define the meaning to it that we wanted to have, wanted to give the child. So laquash, and uh, I mean, you think of some names that you know that are weird names that you know that somebody just made up. It shows just how far we got away from our roots and just how far uh, from Yah we really are, uh, and that um, it would be very hard for him to use us or any people on the earth, but he still does it to bring about his what? His plan to have it accomplished. So I'm going to read these names, uh, what they mean one more time, and wish everybody a happy Sabbath. Man's appointed mortal, man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed Elohim shall come down, teaching his death, teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. So man is despaired, the most high comes down teaching the blessed Elohim, and his death on the cross brings the despairing. Rest and comfort. How did he do that? Before he came down, we know that we were relegated to die and to go to where? Fire, the pit. And it's not until he came and offered us salvation from his wrath, because the word of Yah cannot change. So he made a way for us to escape his wrath, but we have to be willing to take um to take the method that he offered. We have to be willing to do exactly what he said to do in order to achieve his salvation. And to me, it's my personal opinion, uh, people take that lightly. They don't ensure that they have done what they're supposed to do to actually escape the wrath of Yah. They just sort of hope that they don't, that, you know, he's merciful. When he tells us all this time in his scripture, um, if you don't recognize what I've done, if you walk in unbelief and you don't do what I say do, I have nothing for you. How can, you know, I don't think, so I don't, I know most people don't read the scriptures or else they would know. You can't just do this willy-nilly. You can't just do it what you feel like. 
you can't just come with your own understanding and say, oh, well, he should be happy with this or he should be happy with that. Really? The God of the universe needs to be happy with whatever you offer? No. You need to come correct and do what he says do. And then you need to do it to the point where you know that you know that you know that you know that you've done what he's asked you to do. Don't leave it to chance. With that being said, on next week, we will pick it up uh, with Genesis chapter uh, 10 or 11. 11, uh, I hope something was said to uh, and bring some enlightenment to you, uh, some things to think about in Genesis chapter 5 through 10. There are many things in there. There are things that are even more that I did not uh, attempt to speak on. Um, but you really should get into the book and what? Study to show thyself approved. Okay, study to show thyself approved. Ask the Most High for his spirit, that his spirit might interpret the word of Yah for you. Don't count on your own understanding. Don't count on your own cognitive uh, abilities to um, discern the scriptures, to the fine words, because most I can say, yeah, that's what you think that word means, but that's not the way I'm using it. So you're going to come to the wrong understanding. You need my spirit to give you the understanding, and that's what people are running from. Again, that's what I see people running from the spirit of the most high. I'll find a way myself. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do what should be acceptable to him when he tells us what is acceptable to him. So anything short of that, he's not, he's not trying to hear. With that being said, brothers and sisters, peace and blessings until next week. May the most I keep you. May he bless you. May he encamp his angels around you. If you say from all hurt or harm, seen or unseen, and always remember to give Yah the glory, for truly he is worthy. Until next week, peace and blessings.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.